We are now on Pedic Shlishi, chapter 3. Chapter 3 is a very, very long chapter. We're not going to finish it tonight. We're not going to probably finish it in two or three nights. We'll see how long it takes us. But um, chapter 3, at least the beginning of it, the structure is somewhat of a repetition of what we just did in chapter 2. If you remember, in chapter 2, we spoke about the qualities that would instill or would elicit trust. And we had seven in total, seven qualities that would win our trust or gain our trust. And then we said that Hashem has all those seven qualities. We're going to go through those seven qualities again at the beginning of chapter three. Um, So let's go ahead in the text, chapter three. There are five prefaces, the comprehension and realization of which will bring a person to complete trust in God. So there are five prefaces. The first preface are the seven qualities from chapter two. I know that's confusing, but chapter three has... There's a lot of numbers here. <laughs> it sounds like a con game. Are you sure you, and you give me a change for a 20? Can you give me a change for a 10? Okay, anyways, there were, everyone knows how to do that, right? Okay, ask me later. In chapter three, you ha- I have to know how to do the kanunya so that, I, you know, okay. Rabbis have to know how, the, how those things are done in case there's like a din tater or somebody did it. Okay, anyways, in chapter three, um, by the way, how do I know if my jokes are good? I, Baruch Hashem, I have my Bacharel over here. And he's cracking up. Ah, we can hear you. They hear you. Avram Abba. <laughs> okay, Baruch Hashem. Live studio audience. Um, in chapter three, we had seven conditions for eliciting trust. And now here at the beginning of... No, I'm sorry. In chapter... I can't myself. In chapter two, we had seven conditions for eliciting trust. And then in chapter three, we say there are five prefaces that we have to make. The first of the five prefaces in chapter three is to reiterate the seven qualities of trust that were listed twice in chapter two. By the way, everything I just said, that was actually accurate. Play it back in slow-mo. You'll see. Okay. Um, so there are five prefaces. Achas mehen, one of those, one of the five that it is believed, he should believe, and clearly recognize his kaptos, the seven qualities of Hashem, that when those seven qualities are, uh, are uh, gathered in one entity, that the Yetoch and Livteyach it becomes possible to trust that entity. I already mentioned them and commented upon them, whatever I, you know, whatever occurred to me, from scripture. Meaning, remember in chapter two, we were quoting all types of scripture to back that up. And they are. And then he goes and he, he enumerates all seven qualities again. By the way, what is this Lushan over here that he says, 
Shiyamin v'yisbarer etzlai. That Yamin is, is a munah that he should believe. V'yisbarer etzlai, we were saying he should recognize, or, or maybe you could say it should be clear to him. What's the difference between those two things? So the Nadar Bakaydish explains that Shiyamin, he should believe because of the Psukim, because of the scriptural verses. But Yisbarer Etzlai, it's clear to him because of rational thinking, because of the logical proofs. So it's a little bit similar to what we were talking about yesterday, that there are two ways of approaching this. And uh, you remember we spoke about it at length actually yesterday, based on the Rebbe's Hadron on, uh, on the Rambam. But why do we, if, if we're giving logical proofs, why do we need scripture? And if we have scripture, why do we need logical proofs? So we spoke about it at length yesterday, that ultimately uh, nothing about Hashem has to be the way it is because logic dictates it. It is only what it is because he's told us that that's what it is in his holy Torah. But then once we have that, then we can go and uh, understand it based on some type of internally consistent logic. Okay. Tori shine the first quality. And again, these are the seven qualities we've already been through in, in chapter... The Creator may be exalted, is the most compassionate one of all toward man. Any compassion or mercy shown to anyone, rather shown by anyone other than Hashem, they are all expressions of Hashem's mercy. What does that mean? Well, the most simple explanation is that when Hashem has somebody do something nice to you, so they're his shliach. So all compassion is, oh, it wasn't Hashem, that, that, that person was nice to me. Yeah, but Hashem arranged that that person should be nice to you. So it's Hashem's compassion. But on, on a deeper level, deeper way of explaining it is sort of like what it says in, uh, in Pedagimel of Tanya. Pedagimel of Tanya says that there's the Eser Keiches HaNefesh, the ten uh, soul powers or, or faculties, which are nishtalshel, which derive from, and are sort of like a mirror image of the Eser Spherois, the ten uh, godly emanations. And man being created in God's image, what does that mean? God has no corporeal image, obviously, but it means that just as Hashem projects himself through Eser Spherois, Ten uh, godly uh, emanations, so too there are the Esarkeiches Hanafish, ten soul powers. So the fact that the human being has a particular uh, quality or trait, such as Rachamim, compassion, or Chesed, kindness, these are um, representations of the divine. Compassion or the divine kindness, they are a uh, a copy of or a a um, how how else might you say it that they it's like an echo an echo of of the the divine trait. So even when other people are the ones who are being kind to you, it's really Hashem's kindness. like the verse says, "V'nosan lecho rachmim v'chamcha." And he will give you compassion and have compassion on you and multiply you.
The Hasheni, in the second of seven qualities, again, we've been through this before in the previous chapter, the Creator, may he be exalted, does not ignore any ways of benefiting a person. You know what that means? It means logic um, dictates. How so? Because man is one of God's works, and there's no one who knows more about what benefits a thing or harms it, about the mishaps that can befall it, the ailments that can beset it, and what can cure it, there's no one who knows any of those things more than the one who made that person. So being that he's my maker, he clearly knows better than anyone, even better than I know about myself, what is good for me and how to do good to me. If this is the reality among human makers, you know, like a, a craftsman who makes something, builds something, who create nothing in their work except for accidental forms. We have to explain what that means. Um, accidental form. Accident doesn't mean a mistake here. It means that a thing just happens to be a certain way. It doesn't have to be that way. It just, that's the way it is, right? So, you know, why, why, is the, why is the rug purple? Because right? the person who made it made it purple, okay? But it's not like the, the, essentially that thing has to be a certain way, okay? So people, they make things, and all they're doing is making what we call accidental forms. But... The sheirish, the root, and the, the tzura ho'atzmis, the essential form of the thing, they have no way, they have no mechanism of, of innovating those things. What does that mean? It means that the person can manipulate secondary characteristics of things. You can turn the flour into dough, you can turn the dough in, into bread. But you can't create flour. You can't take nothingness and turn it into flour. You can't make existence. Meaning, the essence of the flour isn't that it's flour. And the proof is that you can change it into dough. And the essence of dough isn't that it's dough, because you can change that. Something that's essential can't be changed. Right? But the essence of the, something that exists is that it exists. And Hashem is the one who gives it its existence. So, you, you know, by the way, there was a great Jewish thinker, Reb... Carl Sagan. You ever heard of Carl Sagan? Remember him with the turtleneck back in the 70s? Cosmos? So uh, Carl Sagan claimed to be an atheist. But he, first of all, he couldn't be an atheist because uh, But uh, so he wasn't an atheist. But he had a great joke. His joke was so... He, of course he, was, he, he believed. If you, you can't make this joke without believing. Um, in fact, it's, it's a Hasidic joke. Are worthy of being Hasidic. The joke is, 
what now I built it up. You're going to say, like, well, that wasn't that funny. Okay. No. And any of my jokes are that funny? Come on. Anyways, except for the one about the $20 change con. That was funny. At least Abba thought it was funny. Okay. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? Carl Sagan. So Carl Sagan says, what are the instructions for baking an apple pie from scratch? Step one, create the heavens and the earth. <laughs> right? Because... If apples already exist, you know, you just pick them from trees, but the apples already exist, you know, you might as well, might as well go and uh, buy uh, Duncan Hines, go buy a mix, right? Because that's not making it from scratch. From scratch means create the heavens and the earth out of absolute void and chaos and nothingness, right? So Hashem is the one who's giving things its actual essence, its actual existence. And people, they make things and they're just manipulating forms. They're not actually creating the essence. Um, so Hashem, he is without a doubt, absolutely wise and all-knowing in what is beneficial or harmful or good for man in this world and the next, as it's written, I am Hashem, your God who instructs you for your own benefit, who guides you in the way you should go, for whom God loves, he reproves as a father, the son he delights in. In other words, put it very simple, people make things, and they're not even really making it, they didn't make it, they just sort of put it together from things that already exist, right? And yet, if they made something, they know how it works. They know how it works better than anyone else, because they made it. Um, Hashem does something much deeper than that. He actually gives existence to things. He puts them in reality. So he surely knows exactly how something works and how to best benefit it. Okay? And that's what the Rebbeinah Bechayah says, V'adin Naisen that this is a logical conclusion. You must conclude logically that Hashem knows what's best for every creation because He made them from scratch. He made them something from nothing. Ex nihilo. Yeah. V'hashlishi. And the third quality that we've already been through. Ki is but a chazik mikol chazik. He's strong, stronger than all strong. Udvare nigzer mikol davar. And His word is absolute. No one can reverse his sentence. Like it says, also, whatever he wants, he does. No one can stop him. And it says, So is my word which proceeds from my mouth. It does not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. No one can stop Hashem. He's unstoppable. Okay. And the fourth quality... Okay, we're more than halfway of our seven qualities. But Avi, in the seventh quality, Kihu Mashkiach al Hanhogasin Yoneho Adam Kulam, Loyenichem, Valoy Yasalim Mehem, Valoy Yasasimim and Odover Mehem, Miktanim Vadgdalim. He oversees the governance of all human beings. He neither forsakes them nor ignores them, nor of their affairs, small or great. Nothing's hidden from him. Valoy Yashkicheo Dover. As davar, and one thing can't make him forget another thing. You know, 
It's like when uh, somebody tells me two phone numbers, that's it. I can't remember. Well, I, I can't even remember the first phone number if they tell me one phone number. Who am I kidding? But if someone tells me two phone numbers, for sure. I don't even remember the area code from the first number. So one thing doesn't make them forget another thing. Okay. It's called cognitive overload. All right. Why do you say, Yankiv? Why do you declare, Yisrael, my way is hidden from Hashem, my cause is removed from before my God? And it says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Hashem is the God of the universe, creator of the ends of the earth. He does not tire or grow weary. His wisdom is unfathomable. Okay. And the fifth thing, the fifth quality out of seven. No one can benefit or hurt either himself or anyone else except with the permission of the Creator, may He be exalted. Remember, we were talking about that, that we are under Hashem's complete, uh, exclusive authority. He doesn't share that authority with anyone else. There are no other um, forces in the universe that influence us. We're going to give a metaphor. That if an Eved, a servant, has more than one master, and every one of them has some type of influence, some type of way of benefiting him, he can't trust if only one of them. He expects help from each of them. And if one of his masters is able to help him more than the others, he'll have more betachin in that master, in, in, proportionately to that master's ability to help him. Even though he will also rely on the others. But if only one of them can help him, he'll only rely on that one. Since he does not expect help from anyone else. So too. If a person realizes that nothing in this world can help him or harm him except with the permission of Hashem, he will no longer fear these things or hope in these things, rather only in Hashem. Like it says, Do not trust in generous people. In a human being in whom there is no deliverance. Vahashishi and the sixth of seven qualities that Hashem possesses. One should be conscious of God's abundant goodness to man. 
This actually, this sixth quality, corresponds to the seventh quality in chapter two. So I'm, I'm not sure why it's a little bit out of order, but uh, that's what it is. Um, how in his great kindness and grace, he raised him on this good, without him deserving it. And uh, not out of any need to do so. But purely out of generosity and goodness and kindness. Like we explained already in the Shar HaBechina, uh, the Gate of, of Reflection, uh, Chapter 5 in, in Chavis Lovavis. Kasher Biyarno, yeah, okay. Ukamesha Amar David, Allah Shalom, like King David said, Rabbi Sasiso, Ato Hashem Alekai, Nifloisech, Machshvesech, Eileno, Inerechei Lecha, Gida, Adabeiro, Otsmu, Misapir. Manifold are the acts you have performed. Hashem, my God, your wondrous deeds and thoughts towards us, I declare and pronounce, none can compare with you. Your wonders are too great to recount. Vahashvi, and now the seventh, and this actually is the fifth quality when we mention them in chapter two. I know, confusing. Okay, and the seventh, Shizbara etzlei ki yesh lechol it should be clear to a person that all created things in this world, whether substance or accident, he's using that hakira language, that philosophical language. We had it before when we were talking about things that are uh, accident. It doesn't mean accident like a mistake. It means something that just happens to be in a certain way right now. Um, as opposed to an essence. An essence is what the thing is. It's not changing. Okay, so he uses etzum umikra. Those are, those are the two terms. Etzum means the essential thing itself. Mikra means the state that it happens to be in uh, right now. Okay, so everything in the world, whether it's etzum or mikra, substance or, let's call it, incidental or, or transitory, temporary, fleeting, Nothing can add to or detract from what the Creator may be exalted decreed in regard to its quantity, quality, time, or place. You can't add to what He decreed to diminish. And you can't decrease that which he has decreed to increase. You can't de- delay what he has decreed to, to, make, to, to make happen sooner. And you can't um, speed up something that he has decreed to postpone. And whatever runs contrary to this, meaning whatever it appears runs contrary to this, was so decreed in foreknowledge from the very first. It's just that all such decrees have natural causes, and these causes have causes which preceded them. In other words, what's, what's it saying? That nothing 
can influence anything but Hashem. Only Hashem can influence things in this world. And you're going to say, well, hold on a second. Maybe I saw different forces at work that had different effects or different influences. So he's saying, no, even that is a, it's a Rube Goldberg machine. You know what a Rube Goldberg machine is? Yeah, it's where you, uh, you, know, you drop the, the golf ball in the track and it rolls down and then it like uh, pushes the dominoes and then the dominoes collapse and it opens the bird cage and then the bird flies and puts out the candle and then the, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. And then the, <laughs> the Rube Goldberg machine, you all know what I'm talking about. Okay, so that's the way Hashem makes things that all of his gzedes came first knowing all the things that are going to get lined up, all the cause and effect. And there are sebais and sebais, sebais, ula sebais, sebais. You have sebais, ula sebais, sebais. Everything has causes, and the causes have causes, right? So a person is very, like, you know, very, like, uh, nearsighted, very myopic. So, you know, he'll only see what just happened. Hold on a second. Everything that happened has a cause. And the causes have causes. And I'm, I'm going to be mechadish something here that Rebbeinu Bechaya didn't say. The causes of the causes have causes. That's mechadish, okay? But it's true. In fact, the causes of the causes that have causes, they also have causes. And Hashem, his gzeris koidmais, his gzeris come before, his decrees come before any of that stuff. He is the one who sets the Rube Goldberg machine into, into motion. And so... Everything is just exactly as he dictates it to be. Okay. I think that's actually a good place to pause. Well, it's, it's after 10 o'clock anyway, but uh, that's a good place to pause because we've reviewed the seven qualities. We're nowhere near done with chapter three. As I said, chapter three is a very long chapter, but that's a good place to pause for now for tonight. And we'll see you all... Oh. Is, is it Thursday night? Lel Shishi. Okay, we'll see you all in a few days. Have a great Shabbos.